Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PPC Show, brought to you by AdStage. I am Paul Wicker. And I am Jay Dizzle for Shizzle. Wow. Uh, today's March 6th. These are your top headlines. In marketing, uh, the top headline is really coronavirus. You cannot escape the coronavirus. It's taken over marketing, taken over everything. <laughs> or any affiliation with the word corona. You see, corona sales are down. <laughs> Truly amazing. Like, you hope it's just a subconscious thing where people are, like, just they're, they don't grab it. But you hope people aren't dumb enough to be like, I won't drink this virus water. That's how I will avoid getting sick. <laughs> oh, man. I can imagine some people back in uh, Oklahoma like, I told you the devil lives in it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So silly. Um, well, people are very confused. So, uh, you know, AdStage is right here in the belly of the beast in San Francisco, downtown financial district. And left and right, tech companies are closing. LinkedIn announced, don't come in the office. They're closing the entire office for the month of March. Twitter told everyone to work at home. Uh, all on-site interviews have been turned into remote interviews it is really changing behavior events getting canceled saster the big sas Saster, event. saw that uh on twitter i saw jason lemkin complaining um because how much revenue does he make from all those booths and it's postponed till september all the vendors all the caterers all the transportation companies all the hotels i, I don't see how this doesn't become like an assume that most people are going to have like a one in a three million chance of actually catching it and if you're under the age of 50, a 0.00% chance of dying from it. Like, economically, how, how do we not have a recession based on this? Like, there's so much lost productivity and so much less spending. Um, people in downtown San Francisco, like, the lunch spots are, like, empty. Yeah. The bus coming to work, empty. It's really, it's really crazy. Uh, I would agree. Uh, you know... When we think about recession, we think about, I think, one, we, we saw correction. I think recession, definitely. But I, I think, like, uh, it's like spending confidence, right? And I, I just don't think right now I'm confident. Like, I, I just don't know what, right? It's like a lot of uncertainty. And right. I don't know, like like you said, a 0.5% chance, right? I'm just like, okay, is it really just like a cold? Like, I'm going to get it. We're all going to get it. And I can just, like have a healthy immune system and I should just be okay with it. That said, I'm still working from home. Like I'm not going to go in. Uh, you know, we've, we're taking time away as well. Uh, we're being asked to like reevaluate any business travel. So, you know, me speaking at conferences is now getting called into question. And even my, for my own sake, I'm like, do I want to travel? Like, (laughs) I don't know. Like, do I? And even vacations. I know, uh, Gil on Twitter who, uh, longtime friend of the podcast, he was supposed to go on a Disney cruise, and he was like, oh, they didn't cancel it yet, you know. And I was like, but you want to go? <laughs> I sent exactly. him a, a gif of the Black Pearl from <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean with a bunch of zombie pirates on the ship. Because um, after the story of that cruise ship where people got coronavirus yeah. and are basically— well, you got like, one right outside of the bay. It's like— Yeah, it's, it's like a prison you. ship. They won't let yeah. them dock in the— pe- I mean, imagine being on that ship and, you know, if you've ever been on a cruise, after like four or five days, you're like, all right, enough. The, the all-you-can-eat <laughs> soft-serve ice cream has lost its uh, luxurious uh, sheen, and now I want something not served from a, a sneeze bar that everybody sneezed on. I can't imagine being on there for weeks and then— held against her will essentially and yeah. in this boat filled with sick people it really i don't know how you get on a cruise and i i'm supposed to just see friends in april in maine and they're like well i don't know if people are going to be flying again by then 
I don't see how economically there's just this huge freeze in in behavior. Which even if like you're saying, like if you had a cold, like colds kill, I forget how many people. And I know there's this thing, do compare it, don't compare it. I don't know. But everybody out here, we have like a chance of catching the flu and dying right now. Yeah. Way bigger chance of dying from the flu than from coronavirus right now. And we just don't seem to care. We don't even get flu shots when you can. And yet this thing, which is like one in five million, has us just frozen. Don't know what to do. I mean... Could be a leadership issue. I'm not going to point fingers, but uh, again, like rally us, don't divide us. Uh, but that said, we're talking about spending. Uh, I w- I've been going to my local coffee shop a lot more this week. Right. Uh, so maybe I'm just spending it more local, right? Uh, when you think about I'm not feeling well, do I just want to eat out? Yeah, let's just go get some food. So right. uh, maybe those dollars are just diverting for you know, maybe more into your local economy. It's true. So we'll see. We'll see. But you're leaving. So are you just going to get coronavirus from the coffee shop and send oh, it to the 100%. office? Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, like, oh, I can't go in the office, but I'm going to go to the coffee shop and use the lids that have been laying out on the table yeah. for three days. That have um, definitely been touched by someone's actual fingers not wearing gloves yeah. who I just saw come out of the bathroom. Right. Can we talk about those lids, the coffee lids? It's like, yeah, they're just sitting there. You're supposed to take the one on top. You don't really want it. But did the last person do that as well? It's that's Yeah, because it's also hard just to grab one. So you mm-hmm. end up pulling apart that second mm-hmm. one, just leaving it there. So yeah. I've definitely, you know, who who knows, right? And think about money. I saw this, you know, trending, you know, the actual exchange of money and the coronavirus being on dollar bills. So I was like, I'm paying credit card for everything. Oh, well, you got to <laughs> touch the screen, buddy. You got to sign. No, Swipe that finger. I just, I just I just tap it. I just like, tap it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Maybe more people use like mobile payments. So yeah, um, and then away. of course on Twitter, uh, there's this big debate over work from home. So the other big element of change has been that with all these offices being closed, people are working from home. And one contingent <coughs> is saying, "You might happen to be in this contingent. Working from home is great. You're more productive. You can focus more. You get more work done. This is actually going to make everyone more productive." And then there's people like me saying, "You take a bunch of people who have never worked from home." You send them home, it's like a vacation for them uh, until the company understands how to work from home and how to set boundaries and guidelines. And, and you like to imagine everybody's just you know, working like a busy beaver, but I'm sure uh, at certain jobs, totally unsupervised, some people just run wild, especially if they've been used to being heavily supervised. Then yeah. they go to no supervision. It's well, video think, games and Netflix. I, again, I think what ends up happening here is uh, you have Slack, right? So... Are they responsive on Slack? I think, you know, if you're worried about their productivity, you set up Zoom meetings, you know, a couple times a day. Like, is it a team meeting? Is it a one-on-one? Is it a project meeting? You know, like, where are we? You know, and I think, you know, hey, at the end of the day, is the work getting done? If not, like, let's have a conversation after this. But um, I, I do think for the most part, most people in the tech, especially San Francisco, are pretty driven people. Uh, most people want to do a good job and get their work done. So, yeah, I think I, if I default to the good in people, right? I default to the laziness in people. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're right, though. If a company is already on Slack, they already do Zoom meetings. They already have these kind of workplace norms in place. It's less disruptive. Um, but yeah. if they're used to not having that, or a yeah, lot of that's true. coffee or water cooler chat and whiteboard sessions, so. 
We will see. This will either be an explosion in a good way in terms of uh, work from home, or it'll show companies that they're not quite ready yet and their productivity is going to sink. Yep. I did um, see that Zoom stock is up like 25%. Yeah, I mean, people keep saying that. I'm like, you don't think the, the traders and the people who watch the market have already looked at every single stock and like 80,000 metrics about like what happens when more people work from home and transportation. But uh, yeah, all that stuff, Slack, Zoom, you expect that stuff should be way up. And and on the flip side, airline getting hammered because nobody wants to fly. Now it's time to buy. Have your own plane. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've, and then we could actually yeah, cover some marketing news. Marketing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to start an airline so bad. I keep telling people oh, I want to start an airline wow. for years. And my number one selling point was cleanliness. I was like, planes are disgusting. People hate it. That's not my number one selling point. It's actually probably number two. I'll tell you number one another time. But number two was imagine a plane where they actually clean the plane in between <laughs> flights where you don't have crumbs in it and you open the little tray table and there's somebody's like wrapper and some gum on the magazine that has the pages ripped out of it. Like, And if that was live right now, thousand dollars a ticket no problem you want to fly hygiene air you'll get where you're going without getting sick we'll do a little thermometer on your forehead like in south korea where they actually seem to have a plan on dealing with this unlike our crazy country and they're like just yeah you want to get a test see if you got it sure no problem it's free step on up let's just take your temperature see if you're sick before you get on this plane it's a great idea please please brand it as hygiene air hygiene air I will I think fly hygiene. <laughs> sadly, I think it's going to be no kids because let's be honest, kids are little disgusting germ balls. <laughs> so it's going to be for like, you know, middle-aged uh, folks only. Business travelers. I actually, this might yeah. actually do well. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if you can discriminate like that, but that would be actually be a really interesting business. Yeah. If, like you just said no, like no kids allowed. And yeah, this it's is no like, kids. This is for real flyers. Yeah, it's like the whole thing's business class. Um, and my other thing that we really will move on, flat fee. It's like five ninety nine San Francisco to Newark, always. Price never changes. Last minute, if there's a seat, it's yours. Book three months early, great. Price never changes. Hmm. It's the number one thing people hate about flying is booking an airline ticket. 100%. And if you can eliminate that, oh, crap, is it too early? Is it too late? The fee, do I get a bag? Do I not get a bag? You're just like, hey, five ninety nine. show up at the airport, never changes. I think... I've looked at the economics of airlines. They're terrible. All their money goes to gas and fuel yes. cost. Yeah. And it's there's it's union, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but in their case it is. And So anyway, that's our Bay Area chat on what product would you like to launch? I want to launch an airline. So that's my uh, 2021 goal is launch an airline. Um, I have been active on Twitter. You mentioned this in the notes. I don't know why I've been much more active on Twitter, but I have. Yeah, well, I, I called you out a couple of weeks ago around your engagement being low, and I was like, you could be more active. And now, now Paul's on there all the time, and Twitter thinks that Paul and I are best friends, and I should see every one of Paul's tweets. But no, it's been fun. <laughs> yeah, I like how well, Twitter does that. Like, the, like there's like five people it defaults yeah, to, and I yeah. can't escape any of their tweets. <laughs> You're one of my five, Paul. Well, vice versa. That's because we like each other's tweets, I think. So, like, wow, we just really like each other. Because you told me, I remember you saying, like, people read your stuff, they comment, it, they tell you about it, and they don't like it. Like, just give me a like on my tweet. And I was like, you know what? Why don't I just freely give out these meaningless free things? Whenever I read a tweet that I like, I'll just like it. Uh, so that's why I always like your tweets. I re if I read it, I'm going to like it. That's so right. now Twitter thinks we're just uh, soulmates. Um, 
But well, speaking of Twitter, Player. Jack needs a lot more people like me on Twitter. There's been a hashtag, uh, rest in peace Twitter, because they launched their new product, Fleets. 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 On Fleet. A lot of jokes about Fleets. Oh, man. Um, essentially, stories for Twitter. You write a tweet, it disappears. People can't like it. Uh, so there's no metrics involved. Just like on, on stories on Instagram, you can see who viewed it, but there's no shares and like. Well, you can share it if somebody tags you in it, but you can't just share somebody's uh, post and uh, interesting. I don't know. What do you what do you think about fleets? Um, here's what I like about it. We'll do pros and cons. What I like, I like that they just didn't take stories and make it stories in Twitter. Like I, I give them credit for that. Like uh, they've already kind of had that. Like with Periscope, you've already had that ability to like make videos if you really wanted to, to do it. They never like really made it like a. Uh, uh, a feature per se like in the top but like i've seen it in there like i've seen people going live on twitter you know and they, they pop up at the top so they kind of already had stories but uh fleets with this idea of like disappearing tweets so i i, I give them that credit of it's different but it's very twitter right because uh, I think about this all the time of like Cora. What would Cora look like? Could be Corys, right? So Cora stories. Like how oh, would no. how would this look like? Right? Uh, I don't think it would work well. But uh, the one thing that I don't like about this is, again, no uh, way to engage with. The only way you can do is react through the DMs, to which any person on Twitter said, "That's what I want: more DMs." Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, first off, I'm glad you broke the news that Core is launching Corys. Corys. Uh, will that be Q2 of this year, uh, Corys? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Q2 of 2022. We'll finally get there. <laughs> it's, uh, well, and Twitter, you know, they had, what are those, th- moments? Not moments. They yeah. do have moments. But they, they, moments. they did launch <coughs> a kind of a story-like feature I used to always talk about and say, actually, Twitter was the first one to do this. It's like, it's on the search like they moved in into the search area and it like creates these like yeah maybe it was trends anyway it was full screen like cards about news things and you can kind of swipe through them yeah, just like you swipe it was like through moments. Story. I think it was like moments yeah you moments can, like, you, yeah. you can like collect moments. tweets and then you can make a moment yeah yeah I thought it was a great idea yeah and it basically is what stories turned out to be like really visual cards that you flip through uh, that never went anywhere. They kind of hid it in the UI. I think it still exists, but you like can't create new moments. I, I don't think it's not easy. Yeah, I created one. I created a whole moments thing at some point. But um, anyway, so they had some of that, and I, you know, to your point, like yeah, who wants to respond with DMs? And then also uh, on the on the internet, especially on Twitter, a lot of people saying like, you know, we've asked you for the edit button for years. It's like Slack's figured it out, it's a real-time communication device. A lot of people have figured out how to deliver the edit button. And all these other features that we want from Twitter, like, and we get this? We yeah. get fleets? So, I'm guessing... And then they said, oh, you're fired, Jack Dorsey. Oh, yeah, that one's huge. This is, uh, you know, all of our friends over there that are listening that also like Pivot, you know, Scott Galloway pinned this letter back in December, and it seems like it's coming to fruition now. Uh, so I'm interested. We, we'll keep you guys updated on this one. If you haven't heard, some activist investors, they've come in, they bought up a lot of stock, and now they're trying to push Jack out saying, hey, you don't need to be CEO of two companies and living in Africa six months a year. That's weird. And you're underperforming. 
uh, as a Twitter, when you look at like actual like stock, I guess they're down like five or six percent in the last five years, where Facebook's gone up 120 percent. So you've had all these things. I mean, you had Vine, which is basically TikTok that you just didn't do anything with. So you've had all these opportunities to innovate. You've had good acquisitions, and you just did nothing with them. And oh, you have all this momentum right now, and still right. you're not trading like you should be. So I thought it was interesting. So Jack, on the defensive, man, I don't see a world in which he's not CEO in the next month or two. You don't see a world in which he is CEO. Is CEO. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, he's definitely on the hot seat. He's been there a long time. Uh, he is kind of like, you know, he's kind of a weird dude, you know. So when you want someone that could steer the ship, yeah, like he gives you all this vague stuff. It looks like he's having a midlife crisis and he just needs some time to go start a nonprofit or something like that. <laughs> you know, like Twitter's a business. You got to get somebody that's like, hey, look, we want to make sure Twitter's relevant uh, and making money. But... Uh, so good luck. I don't know. I like Jack personally. I did meet him. He's a very nice guy. I met him like four or five years ago before he got super weird. So <laughs> before yeah. the midlife crisis. I thought uh, picking on Twitter once again, I I love this one because a teenager created a political profile for this guy, Andrew Waltz, a Republican running for Congress in Rhode Island's first congressional congressional district uh, district. And got the coveted blue check mark. I didn't know they were still giving away these things. I've wanted one for so long. Why? Right. For no other reason than status and ego. But this guy gets one, and he's not even real. Right. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of, well, yeah. Can we get some blue check marks? I mean, how much more authenticity do we need to express on Twitter to get yeah. a blue check mark? I have almost 15,000 tweets. Right. And like, yeah. 4,000 followers. <laughs> I have like 400 followers. So, but like you can tell when people are real. Can't, isn't the blue check mark just like this is really yeah. them? Um, and it, speaking of, there's actually a bunch of other um, kind of parlays nicely into some of these uh, Facebook stories as well. So Twitter has this fake political account and got the blue check mark. But also on Facebook, there's some news because, you know, how you can check and see who ran political ads, like who paid for this ad, and they have to tell you, here's all the ads we've run. Well, turns out um, NYU, they had a team audit the ad library and turned out that $37 million worth of ads were actually not disclosed properly. So, And Ooh. Facebook did say, like, well, that was before we made changes. That's from back in May 2018 to June 2019. Uh, and we're different now, but it's uh, it's a good example of uh, despite the systems they put in place since the last election, there's still a ton of uh, political ads being run by who knows, maybe Russians. And it's a lot, too. I mean, we're talking like uh, they found 86,000 Facebook pages that ran political ads with misleading disclosures. This isn't a small amount. Right. You know, 19,000 ads appeared to be paid for. Uh, for by likely inauthentic communities like 19,000 that's so many like this should be it should be way harder to run political ads than what it is from based off of this audit and this report so right uh, well, this is tough man Facebook's continue to be really lenient when it comes to political messages uh, you're allowed to post misleading information as we've talked about before um you can say whatever you want, basically, if you're a politician, except a few things. You can't misrepresent dates, locations, and times 
for like elections. Mm-hmm. So if you say like, oh, you can't vote or here's how you vote and you give people the wrong information, you can't do that in political ads. And apparently the census as well. This is a big one. Uh, I was actually, I, I've seen all these other networks uh, partnering with the U.S. Census. Like this is really important for us to get a, a good, accurate representation of the U.S. So, hey, leave the census workers alone. They come knocking on your house, fill out the ballot, put it in. But uh, I guess, you know, we love to pick on Trump, but <laughs> uh, he's upset with this one because uh, ahead of the reelection campaign, he got, uh, some, you know, rejected ads because of misleading consensus ad. Um, and it's basically where it was taking them to. Uh, so it's just slightly different than a date necessarily, but the information it was going to like his website that was like kind of like run through a pack and right there were like some survey questions about him rather than actually like consensus information right census information you keep saying consensus sorry 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 because <laughs> like, you know trump's famous for building consensus <laughs> i see how you're confused um the right so his it's a bunch of ads saying like oh you know worried about the census or do you think you know everyone's gonna cheat the census or some crap like that and then instead of going to information about the census it's really just an ad that you know raises money for him which of course he's one of his talking points is always you know immigrants are terrible and um miss i don't know misleading but trying to make it seem like the census is some type of like thing where liberals want to sneak a bunch of illegals into the census so that you know uh immigrants get more power and and all this stuff so it's part of his old you know america first and by america like white people who have been here for a long time agenda rather than uh actual information about the census so one of the best quotes i heard uh kind of coming out this week around facebook's and political ads was from uh kevin ruse over at uh, the new york times he's like their tech reporter and he said facebook is prepared for the 2016 election not the 2020 right and it's like everything they're doing right now is really reactive from like four years ago they're not prepared for what's happening and what's going to happen in the next six months so uh that's that's a really great line i think it's going to be something that we'll see play out too in the next six months right we are ready for 2016 america Um, let's do it well i i'm going to quote myself in a tweet that I had that I thought was brilliant. Maybe you saw it so, since uh, Twitter shows you all my tweets. But, um, <laughs> uh, oh, you know, did we ever talk about LinkedIn rolling out stories? Yeah, last week we talked about we it. We did yeah. talk about it? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so in regards to that, people were really just, like, eviscerating it on Twitter. It was pretty funny. And then my favorite tweet that I wrote was something like, well, you know what Gretzky always said, don't skate to where the puck is skate to where the puck was two years ago in a game that you already lost to Facebook. <laughs> so hopefully you're giggling at that because I like. thought it was so clever on Twitter, but only JD saw it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, in, in uh, the spirit of not picking on Facebook relentlessly, there was a positive story about them. They did agree to give out yeah. uh, free ads to the World Health Organization so that they can put up information about coronavirus uh, to help prevent the spread of misinformation. So good job on that one, Facebook. 100%. Uh, like, agreed, this is actually the way to go about this. Uh, I think it's interesting that it's free ads, uh, like it's uh, free advertising, so it's like free paid reach, right? Right. Uh, can we give them a boost in organic? Like, that has way more power. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, hats off, I get it. It's probably costing them, 
zero dollars in the actual like maybe just in the auction they're third or fourth place instead of first i don't know we'll see how strong their bid is right in the in the vcg auction that that is facebook but uh yeah that's true let's go on facebook and see how many fake news coronavirus cures we get versus uh world health organization info but um but i'll give them credit for hopefully doing for sure for sure Um, I, i i will say it's still good signaling even if nothing really comes about or it's not like you know, I don't know. I, I, I think the signaling is saying that we do care about misinformation. And I think that's probably the main reason why they're doing this. Because when you see that crackdown between this and the census, I would say if this is consensus, this is a positive th- thing for Facebook. Well done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Google introduced some new reporting. I'll be honest, I didn't read this article. So you have to tell us what oh, Google man. added uh, that made better, made things better. It's there's a lot here. So uh, Jenny over in Search Engine Land did a really good job of breaking this down. Like, go check it out. So what you're going to see here is uh, some new definitely it's like some new graphs and how they're visualizing a lot of this stuff. So it'll be in the overview page, and it's part of this is overhauling those attribution, which is reporting in Google Ads. So take a look there. Of course, anytime you overhaul attribution and reporting, what does that mean? Uh, and that's probably what most of you care the most about, right? And so, of course, what do you do? Um, you know, you you, you kind of take some things out. You, you, you sprinkle in some Google magic, right? Because ultimately what you want to do is uh, make it uh, easier for Google to take action, right? Or Google to control the narrative. And that's kind of what I'm seeing, like, behind the scenes from some of this stuff. But things that you'll like. It's easier to navigate. Um, so yeah, I, I like that. Uh, you can always return to that previous UI if you don't like this new UI. And then um, the other parts to this as well is you can see some device contributions, which I think is always cool. Like you see like some really cool like device breakdowns. So you can do like a device ana- uh, analysis card, which I know is a big thing when you think about over 50% of searches are now mobile so being able to break that out i think would be give you some of that uh as well uh, yeah and it looks pretty good i'm looking at the screenshots of it yeah they look good it now uh it looks good and then like you said the narrative is always the like oh but they removed a little bit of the detail as google loves yeah. to do so like there's a lot of people granularity saying, if you will yeah looks nice but you took away a little bit of my ability to understand some data that's important to me so We'll see. I, it's always interesting because I always look at like attribution in Google Analytics because, right, I'm, I want to yeah, see attribution here. on the website. <laughs> and then within Google Ads, it does make sense to understand like people clicked on multiple ads, like Google Ads, and, and that's, it's good to understand that. But I spend more of my time looking at attribution reports in GA, to be honest. So, but I'll check it out. I actually didn't realize you can do kind of path to conversion type stuff. I see like, you know how many steps, how many interactions it took to get them to conversion and all the stuff you're used to seeing in typical yeah. attribution reports. I think nice. some of this is, uh, and I think, I, I do think there's a, there must be a, a decent amount of people running on Google ads. I've heard roughly like 20 million advertisers. Uh, it's the last number I've heard, but it's like, it's probably a good number of them that are not using Google analytics or understand Google analytics. And so if they're able to bring that into Google ads where you're coming in and spending money, you can right. see that information quicker to then probably, again, not have another tab open, less clicks, get more money. 
Right. Yeah, I, ne- I never understand that. Google Analytics is great and it's free. Um, the attribution reports are great. I mean, obviously you get other channels in it and like conversions, like, yeah, set up my goals and use my goals as conversions. Like, why would... Why would you just set things up just in Google? But I, I get it. And also, if you're running, like, very sophisticated search campaigns, like, AdStage is not huge. We're not running. We don't have a team of five people doing just paid search. So I can see how if your whole life is paid search, you spend more time there, too. But, yeah. Good changes from Google. Uh, let's touch on a few other things. You you put this most overhyped trend <laughs> uh, <laughs> chart in here. Are you just trolling us? Because number two... Well, actually, first, we'll let people guess. So if you're listening at home, in the next five seconds, just think, what do you think is an overhyped trend that you've been hearing a lot of in kind of the marketing world? Okay. Now, I would have said chatbots, and I would have been right with 26.8%. Right. Um, that is the number one most overhyped trend. But um, another one, which you might have thought of, AI, is not number two. AI is number three, just slightly beaten by... Podcasts. Podcasts, what you're listening to. Overhyped. Wow. I think this is interesting. So maybe I'm going to take a guess why it could be overhyped. There's a lot. Uh, Yeah, there is. Uh, It's actually hard to get distribution and get found. I have found. Like, uh, right. So if you have a brand new podcast that's starting tomorrow, unless you are someone that already has an audience, it's going to be difficult to build an audience around it. So, yeah, maybe it's overhyped. I don't know. I still think it's a really great, like, medium when I think about yeah. information, listening. Like, I love podcasts, so it's not overhyped to me. And I'm a marketer. Yeah, I mean. Not uh, number the, two. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing on the list was ABM, account-based marketing. You that can make the same argument for that, too, because that's a very valid and useful marketing technique. Um, and then purpose-centered branding which is kind of that signaling of how important your brand is. So so these things, I think, it's weird because it's a mix of what I think is effective and then silly. <laughs> so like AI, yeah, smart bidding and all the stuff that we see in marketing that's automated by, yeah. by AI. The yeah, analytics is, stuff is huge. I mean, it's overhyped, but it, it is delivering. Uh, chatbots, on the other hand, I don't know anyone that's really – you know, we should check him at Larry Kim because, you know, his new company uh, – what is that? It's called like – Mobile Monkey. Monkey. Mobile Monkey, he's all about the chatbots, and I have no idea how he's doing. So, note to future self, uh, let, let's get an interview with Larry. Um, so, chatbots is like, it's, to me, it's a big miss, but, and podcasts is kind of in the middle. I think podcasts, everybody has one now. I have, like, friends all over, like, I did a podcast. Um, so, I, I could see how it's overhyped, but I think, like you, it's also really useful. And, it, well, it's... Rupert Murdoch once said, mediums don't die, they evolve. Yeah. Podcast is simply the evolution of radio. Yeah. So podcast is really just radio, and what the story really is, is radio has come back. That's a good blog post. Oh, That's wow. a good tweet. Yeah, radio has come back. Radio has um, come back. And did you ever think that you would be a radio DJ? <laughs> well, if you've been listening to podcasts, I've started to put silly sound effects <laughs> into almost uh-huh. every episode. I love it. So, I think it it's might, hilarious. Yeah, it might be in my DNA that I always wanted like <laughs> one of those boards with all the silly sound effects. You know, wah, 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 wah. It's a trap. For those um, listening, uh, I have no idea what Paul's going to put out. It's always a, it's a much of a surprise to me when I hear this episode go live as it is for you. <laughs> yeah, apparently I have like a techno 
something. It's like everything I do turns into like some bad techno music. Some house. Um, yeah, you're loving it. Uh, yeah. I, do, I want to touch on a few other things. Um, because we're talking about interviews with, with Larry, I got to get one on the books because I am doing interviews again. So just like I mentioned, I think last week uh, we do have some. So I'm going to actually ship one of them today. I did an interview with a guy named Harry Hawk. He is at BirdEye. BirdEye is like a, they get you reviews and uh, share your reviews and do all kinds of fun stuff like that. You can learn more. I'll, I'll post it wherever you're listening to this. You'll also see the interview show with him. He connected his um, Google and Facebook ads to Salesforce and used, let's call them SQLs, like a down funnel lead pre-opportunity and took that and piped it back into the bid algos for both Google and Facebook and took his campaigns from like underperforming and like improved revenue by like 4x and did all kinds of amazing things. So in-house marketer, really smart, did some amazing things. If you want to hear that interview, just look wherever you're looking right now. Uh, so I wanted to touch on that. And then you, I know, did some education thing over at Quora, Heck right? Yeah. Heck yeah. 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 So, uh, again, we're continuing our insights looking into Quora. So I'm, I'm going in, you know, pulling some data out, working on my SQ. My SQL, SQL, my SQL, my, my SQL. There, there's actually a really good uh, Quora <laughs> question about this. Why do people say SQL instead of just saying SQL? It's actually kind of funny. Uh, nerds Well, what's the answer? It. What's the answer? Uh, they said it's really dependent on like w- where you learned it and who you learned it from. It's hard mm-hmm. to like, you know, so like old school people, new school people, anyway. Um, but anyway, we went through, and this one's all around education. So if you're in the EDU field, uh, from high school, all the way to college, grad school, PhDs even. And then we also even uh, took a slice of India. Uh, we know that India is one of our fastest growing user bases. And of course, they love coming to Quora uh, to gain that knowledge and then also to educate themselves because it's a w- really highly competitive market over there. And it's a way for them to get a, a little leg up. So go check it out. Some really good tips and tricks in there. SAT, ACTs, uh, there's some good ones here on exam testing and preparation. So a lot of people are coming to court asking, like, how do you ace that ACT? Right. My favorite question I see is, if you got accepted to Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, and MIT, which would you choose? Hmm. There's what some good what ones. would you pick? What would you pick? Uh, I would probably do Stanford. Mm. Maybe MIT. Those two. I wouldn't do Harvard. I wouldn't do Yale. I wouldn't do Princeton. But probably between Stanford and MIT. Yeah, I'm going to MIT too. I want. I'm, give me the tech. Give me the nerds. Yeah. That assumes I'm smart enough to get into MIT, which means I know science and math. So maybe that's why it's aspirational. Yeah. I feel like that one's like above and beyond when I think about the tech side. But I think Stanford, I think, has a good alum system from what I've heard. True. And True. so, you know, like future, like uh, using them to network or whatever and get me in to the VP of marketing at Salesforce or something. Yeah, like <laughs> every president except this one is like went to Harvard or yeah, something like exactly. that. Yeah, so exactly. They have a good uh, network, but their reputation's kind of getting dragged through the mud lately a little oh, bit. Oh, dang. Whoa, yeah, hot well, takes. Oh, yeah, Harvard? Yeah. Like, oh, uh, Harvard, Harvard. Sorry, I, I thought you meant Stanford. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not him. Oh, Harvard, yeah. Yeah, Harvard, yeah. <laughs> Those guys. Yeah, I forget who... Uh, anyway, yeah, they've had a few people in the news that were saying some pretty crazy things. I think some of the lawyers, perhaps, in the impeachment trial were Harvard and saying some crazy things. Um, 
Anyway, okay, we both pick MIT. I, I actually did get rejected from some of those when I was trying to go to law school. So I don't know. <laughs> is there a question for that? What would you rather get rejected from? Um, you know, we uh, we almost put in law school stuff in here. Uh, we decided not to, but we did highlight uh, a course space around becoming a lawyer. So maybe you can join that space and chime in. I spent my time prepping for law school. I had no money, so I took a job uh, with a temp agency, folding pieces of paper until I had paper cuts all over my hands. And I went back the next day and said, okay, next and they said, oh, there's this Yellow Page company that needs people to go sell advertising to small businesses. And guess who buys small business advertising? Lawyers, number one spender mm. on advertising in the SMB space. And I met so many lawyers, and they were all like, do not go to law school. <laughs> and it, they talked me out of law school. So that's uh, so now I don't want to go, so I'm not going to read your article. Um, all right, let me leave you with one last thing. And we'll wrap up. Because uh, there's going to be another new live streaming platform there's all this video there's inventory coming at us from uh actually there's not a lot of video inventory for most of the streaming players because they're all subscription based so they don't run ads uh, with the exception of like youtube but there's a new one quibi quick bite quibi quibi q-u-i-b-i uh they closed 750 million dollars in financing they've raised almost two billion dollars at this point and they're going to launch at some point. Um, you've probably seen their ads. They're advertising heavily. And the idea is like short-form video. You subscribe, and it's a bunch of like famous media and Hollywood folks behind it. And it looks kind of like old people trying to do something that the kids are doing. That's the total vibe. But they paid a lot of money to get like really popular celebrities to do content. So maybe it'll work. Dead in the water. 100 percent this is my hot take my prediction dead in the water no way no way where i think we're already saturated and overloaded with choices and to come out with original content look at apple trying to come out with with original content and no one has more money than them really and then they even have the actual device that you're using they have apple home they've got your iphone you've got your macbook like they have the the actual platform that you're watching it on, and they still are struggling c- comparative to, like, Disney, who has the content. Right. Yeah, when they started this company, I think it was, like, two years ago, they started raising money and pitching investors. And since then, Apple launched, uh, Disney Plus launched. So, like, you know, probably when they pitch this, it's like, all we got to do is beat Netflix and we win. And now there's, like, oh, there's, like, 10 streaming services, and they're all, like, 20 bucks. But I, I will say it really is built to look like stories. Like the format are these kind of vertical video made to be viewed on your phone. And I think the whole idea is like it's a max of 10 minutes per episode. So it does feel creative. But, you know, whenever you try to force something, it feels like that specific. That's pretty hard to do versus like follow the market. You know, they're trying to like invent this kind of short form category. So, yeah, we will see. We will see if we're all watching Quibbies soon. <laughs> Just the name is such like a bunch of old people in a room are like, what will the kids want to call it? They're like, well, I don't know. Google? Do people still think Google's cool? Like, no. And like, uh, uh, how about Quibi? Uh, So we'll see. Um, Those are all the headlines we have this week. Uh, If you want more, you can head over to blog.adstage.io and you can sign up for the newsletter and to get more podcasts. So enjoy your week, everyone. See ya. Quibi.